Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. I'm glad you're here. I love my church. I'm so excited, man. You know, I just thought that when I read the news and I see what's going on in the world or events that took place this morning or across the globe and you see evil moving, I think that it's easy because if it bleeds, it leads. It's easy to get caught up in the idea. Or if you're just an American Christian and you think, because as Americans, it is, it is easily, uh, it's easy to get caught up in the trap of, oh man, America's on the decline and all, d- 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 you know, this and this and this. And it's, it's just easy, like we're all going to hell in a handbasket and there's this, there's, this, there's this thing I just wanted to let you know about that the church is, is, is a big deal. And, it, and the church is more than just America. And church is, is more than just this group of people. And the church on a global scale is moving. And it is thriving. It is changing. It is, I'm telling you what, there's some incredible things going on. I just want you to be aware of it. And today, if I could do anything for you today, my one big goal, if we walk out of here today and I win, my win would be this, is that we all begin to rethink this idea called church. Everybody say church. Yeah, we need to rethink this thing because I don't know what you think about when you think about church. Like, I don't even know what comes to your mind. I don't know if you just think of new beginnings or if you think about maybe your childhood and the way you grew up. And, and, and man, I've been all around the country and I've seen churches of all kinds of different looks and styles and feelings. And then I've been to Catholic churches and Protestant churches and denominational things I can't pronounce. And there's a denomination for everything. And so I, I don't know what you think about when you think about church. But what I want to share with you is this, is that the church did not start out as an institution. The church didn't start out as an organization. The the church didn't start out with with liturgy and style of worship. and It didn't start out with tradition. How many of you can't start with tradition because tradition is something of the past that you take into the future. So you didn't start with it. It didn't even start with the Bible, y'all. Like they weren't, Peter didn't get up on the first day and preach the first sermon and says, you know, the Bible says he didn't have a Bible. And really, the church began not as, as a monument of the old, but a movement of the now. And it was this big, huge movement that took place. And even the movement itself was built around like a simple idea. Even, even this, a simple event. Did you know that? Like the Jesus movement, the church began around an event. Like they didn't, they didn't get up and start saying, hey, here's church doctrine. They didn't have any yet. They didn't get up and say, here's church teaching and here's the... They didn't have that yet. You know what they got up with? They got up with one simple idea built around an event. You know what we call that event? We we call it the resurrection. We celebrate it usually once a year. We make a big deal about it. But for them, it was everything. As a matter of fact, it was this. It was, hey, we're a part of a movement that's built on the idea that there was a man named Jesus who actually was sent by God and they crucified him. And three days later, he came back to life and I saw it. It was crazy. And their whole message was, I was an eyewitness and I saw incredible things that I want you to put your trust in Jesus just like I put my trust in Jesus because that was where this whole idea of a movement came from. As a matter of fact, if you go look in your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 16 because I want to read something for you. The very first time you see this word church is in Matthew chapter 16. And even when Jesus addresses the issue, you've got to dig in deeper to it. Because really what he's doing is is he's asking people, he's asking his disciples this question. Hey, what does everybody say about me? And it wasn't like, I don't think like an insecure moment. Like, hey, what do they say about me? Like, do they like me? It wasn't like that. It was, hey, I just want you to tell me what is the word on the street? What is everybody saying about me? 
Jesus. And, and they all responded with what they knew, which is, well, I mean, some people think you're a prophet. Some people think you're just kind of a good moral teacher. Some people, some people think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. It, it, people, everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. And then he, he asked a question that, that you all need to answer at some point, which is this, well, who do you say that I am, though? Because it really doesn't even matter what they say. At the end of the day, it really, really matters is what you think about me. He says, well, what do you think? And they all, they all kind of like, because uh, uh, you don't want to like mess that up, you know, when teacher Jesus has got the, it's like Sunday school class. Because now we just know that the answer to every question is Jesus, right? If you're in Sunday school and they ask you a question, it's Jesus. That's the answer to everything. But they didn't know that yet because they didn't go to Sunday school. This is happening live. And so, so they're like, who do people say that I am? And they all kind of, uh, uh. and then finally Peter says this, and this is, this is where we really come from. Verse number 16, Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, that's what we would say, the, the Christ, the son of the living God. That was the one big idea that we're going to build on. So, Because well, watch what Jesus said. He goes, blessed are you, Simon, because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, meaning nobody taught you this. No, no physical teacher came down and said, this is what the Bible teaches. This, they didn't have a Bible like that. And so he says, my father in heaven actually made you come aware to that reality. And I tell you that you are Peter. And this is where he kind of changes his name from Simon to Peter. And on this rock, this, now what's the rock? This one truth, this one simple idea that Jesus was the one who was sent by God. On that idea alone, I'm going to do what? I'm going to build my church. Everybody say church. I'm going to build my church, and even the gates of hell won't overcome it. And that's, I mean, I, I could talk about this, this text is fascinating. But he says, this is the idea of church. Like, I'm going to build the church. Now, here's what you need to know. We'll, we'll teach you a little bit of Greek here. In the Greek language, when they translated this from, you know, Jesus was probably speaking in Hebrew, but when they wrote it down, they wrote it down in Greek, because that's what most everybody spoke at that time. They used a word. This is the Greek word. Everybody say ecclesia. Ecclesia. That was the word that Jesus used there. It just literally means an assembly or a gathering. That's what it literally means. And so when Jesus started this idea of, of like a, a movement, he goes, hey, you're going to gather for the sake of this one big truth that Jesus is the son of the living God. He is the Christ. And this thing needs to move. This thing needs to go. You're a gathering. You're, you're fluid. You're an assembly. You can change locations, change cultures, change ethnic. You can move and go. And that's what it is. But here's, here's the problem, though. This was probably the way Jesus said it. But how many of you know, the more people get involved, the more, well, dysfunctional it gets, right? That's why the bigger the family, yeah, the crazier it gets. So anyway, the, 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 so dysfunction creeps in. So, so it was doing well, and, and, but around 300 AD, they started taking these Greek manuscripts, of course, and keep translating them into new and other languages, which was the good thing to do. But when it moved west, when the church moved west, because you remember the church started where? In Jerusalem, and then it spread, and then it primarily moved west into Europe and into the Roman Empire. And so when they're translating it from Greek, they take the word ecclesia, and rather than just saying the gathering, or the Jesus movement, if you will, they, they add in a new German word, and the German word was this. It wasn't ecclesia, it was, yeah, I don't know how to say that. You German? Good. You did that. You're from somewhere over there. So, how do you say it? Say it again? Yeah. And what, and what that meant was, and, and I don't know that their intent was evil, but it eventually got taken advantage of because what that word meant was not the gathering or the Jesus movement. It was actually referred to as the Lord's 
house. Now that doesn't sound bad, but here's, here's the problem. Is when, when the Jesus movement turned from a movement into a location... All right, let me, let, me, let me paint a picture. When, when you know that, that the Jesus movement becomes a location, whoever controls the location controls everything, right? Because if I control the location, then I control the building. And if I control the building, then I can control the scripture. And if I can control the scripture, then I control the people. Yeah, you guys are so smart. And so, and so this is where, because the church went through some bad periods. The church went through some periods where it lost its way. It, it found corruption. It found dysfunction. It got weird. It got off into weird traditions and weird even pagan things that didn't belong there. And, and it got into literally areas of corruption where they were taking advantage of people. And all of a sudden, what, what, not only did that happen, but what happened was is when it became a location, it moved into like this thing where it was all about the insiders. Does that make sense? It, it, it became all about people that were in, not people that were, were, were out. And so, and then it became about control and it became about power and it came about money and it became about all the things that it was never supposed to be about because what did Jesus say? It's built around an idea. That Jesus is the son of the living God. It was to the disciples, it was built around an event. That I was an eyewitness to the fact that that guy died, they killed him. And then three days later, I talked to him and it was crazy. And you need to trust that he is who he said that he was. And that's the way that this all has gone down. But see, again, it, it became hierarchical. It became ritual. It became pagan. It became all of these things. And, and we took the word, the gathering, and we turned it into a location. Now, now something cool happens, though. Are you okay? Are we all tracking? So something cool happened. So then, then comes this guy, and he's an English guy. His name is William Tyndale, if you're taking notes. William Tyndale came along, and what he was is he was a British scholar and linguistics major, but he was a Jesus guy. And so what he did was is he took these, these manuscripts, because at the time in England, the Church of England controlled the location, which controlled the building, which controlled the scriptures, which controlled the people, which controlled, eventually controlled government even. And so that's where William Tyndale walked into and he's like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Something's, I don't think this is, because he was a linguistics major, so he could read the Bible. But the masses, the crowds did not have a copy of the Bible like you and I have. See, this is what you got to know. We take advantage of the fact that there are Bibles literally in every hotel left by people named Gideon. I don't, he's gone to every hotel and he puts a Bible in there. We take advantage of the fact that there are Bibles all around us that grandma had one that was that thick laying on the, you know, whatever it was. They didn't have access to Bibles back then. Not in their own language even. And to think about how, how much money it would cost to get a handwritten copy of the Bible? I mean, they, people didn't have copies of the Bible, and so they had to go to a location which was controlled by corrupt people in a building that they could just say, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and if you don't, you're going to go to hell, and I don't want to go to hell, so I'll just do what you tell me to do. Because they didn't have their own copy of the Bible. So William Tyndale was a linguistics guy, and he says, you know what, I'm going to take the original Greek and Hebrew, and I'm going to translate them into English. And here's, here's what he was known as. If you go read his biography, he was known as God's outlaw. Because he was literally ruled a heretic and an outlaw, and they tried to imprison him. He had to flee and go to another country just to finish this translation. And then, because there was this other guy named Gutenberg, he, he was born about 100 years before Tyndale, he came up with this brand new, fascinating, mind-blowing, earth-shaking invention called the printing press. Y'all think I'm joking. That was, that was a big deal to them. That was like the internet to us. So, so he came up with this printing press. And then all of a sudden, William Tyndale was able to get his copy of the Bible printed for the masses. Now, his buddy ended up be, being like a traitor and throwing him under the bus. He was captured. He was, he was hung. And, 
they hated this guy so much they hung him and then they burned him at the stake. God's outlaw. Making sure that, but, but see, here's the deal. As a matter of fact, your king, if you have a King James Version of the Bible, your King James Version of the Bible was built off of his translation. That's where that, that all began from. And so this guy took the Bible, but when he translated Matthew chapter 16 from basic Greek back into English, he didn't write the word church. You know what he wrote? He wrote the gathering. He wanted to change it because it wasn't about a building and a location and a, and a liturgy and a style and a thing. And it wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about a movement built around a single idea and a single event in history. And that's what the original intent was supposed to be. Are you, are you hearing me? One of the quotes he has, and it's brilliant, in his, in his trial, this is why they probably burned him and after they hung him. Because he said this, he goes, if God spares my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow. To know more of the scriptures than thou dost. What a great scripture that is. What a quote that is. Because they didn't have a copy and they didn't know when they were being controlled and corruption and bad things. And it become, listen to me, it would become a monument instead of a movement. If you go to Europe, when you think about all the great buildings and all the great cathedrals, even if you go to New York and you see the great buildings, all the great, you, you can see that Christianity become a monument. When something becomes a monument, it's because you're, you're basically acknowledging something that happened in the past because you're no longer a movement of the present. And Jesus is like, this thing ain't no monument, it just, it just moves. It has supposed to have an ebb and a flow. That's what this was originally supposed to be. I'll, I'll prove it to you because if you remember, the disciples were the ones that, that shot off from these moments in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, my gathering, my fellowship, my congregation, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, after Jesus died, he came back to life and then hung out with the boys for a few weeks, and he gave him some more instruction. And this is what he told him. I'll, I'll show you more. Acts chapter 1, verse number 6 says this. It says, Then they gathered around Jesus, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, they thought kingdom because that was their mentality. They were born Jewish. They thought that the Messiah was supposed to restore Israel to prominence and put them back on the map and make them a superpower in the world. And, and, and we're going to be awesome. We're going to be a kingdom because that's the way we think. And so, Jesus, are we ready? Because remember, my mom asked you about me sitting on the right hand when you're in the... Remember that? That's the deal that I'm thinking about. I want a kingdom thing. And Jesus is like, well, um, no. Don't it is not for you to know at the time. Basically, what he's saying is, don't, you don't worry about that. My father will figure out when we're going to restore all things, and really that's something that we refer to as heaven. That's not what we're about right now. For, or but, everybody say but. But, since we're not doing that whole kingdom thing, because it's not about a location, it's not about rebuilding the temple and becoming a superpower again, that's not what we're doing. But, you will receive power, everybody say power. There's a Greek word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from, and dunamite, I'm going to give you power, and that's good, everyone's power, right? That sounds like, yeah, I want that. And so, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. This is, this is literally for them, this would have been like a courtroom term. If you were to go to court and you were to be called on as a witness, you were to come in and testify of what you knew and what you saw. And this is also where we get, can I get a witness? And so that's, that's where we get that from too. And so, but, but the big one was that you were an eyewitness to an event. Are you with me so far? And, and, this is, this is why you got to know it's a movement. Remember, it's not a monument. It's not about a kingdom and a location and a building. It's about a gathering that moves. Because you're going to be these witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. We don't know what that is probably. Samaria. 
Don't know what that's probably. And, and the ends of the earth. This was huge to them. You remember, two verses ago, they were like, all right, is it time? We're going to do the kingdom thing, right? You're going to be a king. We're going to sit on thrones. We're going to rule. Yes. No. It's a movement. We're not building monuments here. He says, and actually, you're going to take this message, this single event and idea and this profound thing, and you're going to take it to all these places. Everybody say Jerusalem. So when we think about Jerusalem, Jerusalem was the city that everything took place in. It was the event it was where they lived. It was where they crucified Jesus. It was where they were hanging out with Jesus right now. This basically was their hometown. So, so if Jesus were here today, what he would say is if he gathered us and he showed up and he said, hey, I'm alive, by the way. Um, good to see you again. And we were, wow, okay, what are we going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to take this to, to, to some places. Number one, you're going to take this to Livermore, right? Because that's where you live. And so when you, when you become a Christ follower, I just need you to know that you're a part of a movement. And whatever you do should impact the city that you live in. And that's, that's Livermore. And then he says this. Not only is there Jerusalem. Everybody say Judea. Judea was the region. So almost think of it like, you know, you got, you got Jerusalem. But then the whole surrounding area is like this big, huge region. This would be like saying, hey, not only are you going to reach Livermore, we're going to impact the Bay Area. Or Uria. You know, depending on how, how hecatite you are. Hey, did I ever tell you I went to Kentucky? I went and preached in Kentucky and I taught them about Hekka. They had never heard of Hekka before. And so I want you to know it's a movement. I'm passing, I'm passing it out of Bay Area. And so, so this would be us saying we want to get regional. This isn't just about our backyard and our neighborhood. This is about like the surrounding region. And then Jesus throws in Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. Now, this was the region just north of Judea. And the reason why he says this is because he's challenging their thinking. I don't want you just to go reach people that you like. I don't want you to go just reach people that are just like you. I, as Samaria was basically, this was racism. So this would be like, don't just go reach your Niner buddies. Go reach the Raider fans. That's, okay, get, get, rid, get rid of that. So, so, so Samaria was meant to be the people that are not like you. Like you got to go reach Cavalier fans and, and Penguin fans and you got to go reach people that, that, that don't look like you. They don't talk like you. And they don't have the same customs and traditions as you do. And they, they, don't, they don't talk exactly like you do. And so you got to go reach people that you don't even like. Yeah, I know they're a different color. Yeah, I don't care. I know they talk funny. I don't care. That's who you're going to reach. Whatever it takes. So Judea, and, then, and then he throws on the last one. He says this. He says, to the ends of the earth. And they're like, what? And they didn't even know how big that was then. We actually know what that looks like now, right? We have these maps and globes, and we're like, wow, that's a big place to them. It, it was, it, they didn't even know what that meant completely. He was like, literally like, the whole world? Wait a minute, Jesus. This was about a kingdom and a location, and you're a king, and I'm going to sit on a throne because my mom had that conversation with you, and, and that's what we're all about. And now you're telling me it's not about what I thought it was about. It's not about building a kingdom, per se, with a king and a throne, and a, but it's about a movement, and you want me to go to my city you want me to go to my whole surrounding area. You want me to go to people I don't even like. You want me to go to the whole world? Yes. And this is how the movement begins. And I'll show it to you. Let's keep reading here. And so what happens next is, is Jesus leaves. When Jesus leaves, he goes, I want you to wait and pray because that whole Holy Spirit thing is going to come. But you got to go pray and you got to go wait. And so what they do is, is they go pray for a certain number of days because between the time that Jesus left and this next holiday, everybody say Pentecost. This is where the, we get the denomination Pentecostal from is, is, is basically this moment. But Pentecost is a Jewish feast that was around for thousands of years. And it was, a, it was a feast that they celebrated in the spring. And basically all the surrounding Jews from all the surrounding area and any converts to Judaism would just pour in 
to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate this great feast. And it's in this moment, these guys are praying. There's a handful of them, at least 120 of them. Men, women, they're all hanging out, waiting, praying for the Holy Spirit. I don't even think they knew what that was yet. And on the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden, like, there's a rumbling and an experience. And all of a sudden, they're just empowered like crazy. And this is, this is the nut part. They're empowered in such a unique and special and supernatural way that they're all given the ability to go out and speak in like languages that they don't know. So they run out of this room praying, and what do they find? They find masses and masses of people from all over the world that have converged on Jerusalem, and they start basically telling everybody about Jesus and the resurrection in their own language. Because again, think about this. I want you to think about the big idea. That the big idea of getting the Holy Spirit was not to be drunk with power, but the whole idea of having the Holy Spirit within you was to make sure that the message had movement. Does that make sense? The message never got stagnant. It just didn't stay with your clique and your people and your friends and just, just Niner fans or you know, whatever it was. It was about to be blown open because the movement was meant to be multinational. It was meant to be multi-ethic. It was meant to be multicultural. Are, are you seeing that? The whole point of the Holy Spirit was to make sure that this thing had movement to it. It had, it had legs. As a matter of fact, they still had a hard time with this because they sat in Jerusalem for months and months after this. And finally, the only reason they start scattering into the other areas is because they started receiving persecution in Jerusalem. They basically started imprisoning these guys, beating them and killing them. And they're like, hey, well, we should get out of here. And so literally God uses persecution to get them to scatter. So I'm like, like flipping on the lights and the roaches. It was like that. It was like persecution. Go. You were never meant to sit in Jerusalem. Remember that whole Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the... You can't get to the whole earth if you sit in one place. You need to be a part of a movement. But on this day, when they get up and they start sharing the gospel in people's own language, Peter finds, I assume, a first century soapbox. And he starts preaching. And this is what he says. So, first sermon of the New Testament. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him. And you know this, man. You know, like you, like you saw this. He was up in your city doing miracles and signs and wonders and y'all saw it. This is important. He said, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Like y'all, some of y'all was in that crowd. See, Tom, I saw you. You was up in that crowd when they was yelling crucified. It was you, and you knew better. This is a beat you up sermon, apparently, at this point in time. But, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death. To keep its hold. Like God, God robbed the grave. It was awesome. Like death couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't stop him. Jesus came back to life. And then he said to them, It is not for you to know. Did I lose my place? I did. Verse 20, no, verse 32 now. So God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all, everybody say witnesses. We're back to that word again. We're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. He made him both Lord 
and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what shall we do? Well, I need you to join a church. Nope. No church membership. You know why? They didn't have a church yet. They didn't have a building. They didn't have a location. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have nothing. He said, you just need to repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Like, this is the idea. Like, they didn't have liturgy back then. They didn't have bands. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have any. They had an idea. They had an event. And they said, everything builds on this right here. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And why were you given the Holy Spirit? So that you could have power to be witnesses so that you could go. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Do you know what that means? People that aren't here. People in other countries. People in future generations. People who are far off in everything that you can think about. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message were baptized and were about 3,000 people that day. And they were added to that number or added to their number that day. If you ever think about the church, and again, I don't know what you think about when you think about church. Have you ever thought like, like, because there's a bunch of Catholics in the world, and you're like, well, we're not Catholic, right, Todd? No, we're not, we're not Catholic. But you know what, you know what actually combines Catholics and Protestants? You know what brings us all together? Because it ain't style, right? It's not tradition. It's not liturgy. It's not, it's not, it's not any of those things. Because when you think about that, you, you ever think about how many weird denominations we've come up with? And we've got some ones like Christianary, Southern Baptist, Missionary, Full Gospel. I mean, we, we just keep adding names. And yes, it sounds ridiculous. And many times it probably is. But you know what combines us all? You know what unifies us all? You know what kind of brings us all together? It's just this simple idea that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. And he rose from the dead. And again, it wasn't about church people. There were no church people. It wasn't about insiders. Nobody was in yet. It was always about people outside of this place. And my point that I want to get you to see is this, is that the church is still moving. It's, a, it's meant to be a movement. Now, if you look, at, it started in Jerusalem, and it really spread west into the, uh, the Roman Empire. But if you look at parts of Europe now, there's no longer a movement. There's only these monuments of what happened in the past. And then all of a sudden, you see people breaking away from what was going on in Europe, and they moved west towards the Americas. And you see the Americas having this incredible Jesus movement in this kingdom culture, if you will. And, and, but, but then all of a sudden, you, what do you see now? You see that things aren't what they used to be even in America, but all of a sudden, the, the Spirit of God is moving. And it doesn't mean that things are, are, are all bad in America. It just means that, look, is this thing still moving? And it's moved now to where it's going into China. And soon there will be more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. They just have that many people, y'all. There's a lot there. And it's, and it's moving into, into, into Africa and South Africa, anything sub-Sahara. The, the, the Jesus movement is thriving. I just want you to know, you're a part of something big. You're a part of something huge. You're a part of something life-changing. I'm telling you what, what you're a part of is the hope of the world. You're a part of that. But here's the big deal. If the church was meant to be a movement and never an institution, if it was meant to be a movement, not a monument to the past, but what God was doing now, if the church, it was really supposed to be a movement, my question would be this, are you a part of the movement? Because going to a building at a location on a day of the week, that's not movement necessarily. 
Are you a part of the movement? And, and, and here's the deal too. To be a part of the movement, you've got to move. So are you moving? Is there activity inside of you? Following Jesus didn't have anything to do with the intellectual acknowledgement to the existence of a supreme being. Lots of people do that. That's not the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement was the recognition that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he rose from the dead, and that that was the hope of the world. And that that message, that idea, that event, that life-changing hope, that's what the word gospel actually means. Did you know that? It wasn't a style of music. The gospel was literally a term that they would use to say, hey, I've got life-changing news. I've got gospel news, life-changing news. So are you moving? Are you a part of the movement? Now, here's the deal. I don't expect you to go to sub-Saharan Africa to move. Maybe some of you should. I don't expect you to go to China. I expect you to go back to what Jesus said. He said, I want you to be in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't know if you're an earth whole world guy. I don't know if you're a whole world gal. I don't, I don't know what God has in store for you. But bless God, you can at least move in Jerusalem. You should at least be moving in the city that you are in, in the neighborhood that you are in, in the church that you are in. Because here's what I need you to know. Every time you gather in a small group, that's the gathering of God. Every time you serve in a kid's classroom, that's the gathering of the little people of God. That every time you're here on a Sunday morning, you're gathering and moving with the people of God. And I want you to be a part of that movement. I don't want you to become a spectator to that movement. Because we have bought into this American culture that, well, as long as I have the intellectual acknowledgement to the existence of God and I show up on church and I do my roster at least two out of four Sundays per month, then I can check a box and say I'm a Christian. And no, you can't. Because it's not about a monument or a location or a liturgy. It's about a movement built around an idea. So are you moving? And then what I want you to do is I want to invite you in to be a part of at least this little local movement. Because every local movement makes up a bigger movement, which eventually becomes the church of this entire area, which is ultimately the church of the entire world. But if you're not moving here, and you're not moving now, then you're not moving anywhere. So will you move with us? And so every year at this day that we call I Love My Church, we celebrate the people that make movement. Like I need you to know, like I need you to look down right now. Look down at the chair you're sitting in. I know they're not comfortable. Look, if I could get you cushier chairs, I would. Funny enough, we had a, um, we had a family come to our church for a while. And they ended up moving away. Um, but when they came to our church... Um, they were so sweet and they were so wonderful and they were so kind and they're really, really good people. And they have three teenage kids... And the mom and the dad came, and they're like, wow, we really like it. We like the people. The people seem really, really nice. You know, I, I love, I love the, the Bible teaching. The Bible teaching is, is enjoyable. I really, I really like this church. And the mom said, you know what, though? But, man, the chairs are so uncomfortable. And the son, the teenage son, he was 17 years old. He goes, yeah, mom. People in the Middle East are, are having their heads cut off for their faith in Jesus. But our chairs are hard. And the mom said, okay. Touche. We'll stay at the church. But you get the, you get the idea, like, like but, but the chairs that you sit in, the chairs, like somebody put those there. There's no chair fairies that come in and set up chairs. And, and, and the band that plays music and the people that greet and all those little kids, those little minions up in there, people are teaching them about Jesus. People are teaching them about the love of God. That doesn't accidentally happen. That happens because people made a decision to move. 
to not sit and spectate, but to become a part of a movement. And so every year at I Love My Church, I invite you. Say, hey, look, if you're not moving, I invite you to come, to move. You should be serving. You should be a part. You should be participating. You should be engaged and active in every way that the Lord allows you to be active. And so that's what this day is all about. Because I want you to know, we have incredible volunteers. We have incredible movers. I just want you to know that. Like people that make this place move. I don't make this place move. I'm a Bible teacher, right? I'm a pastor. I don't make this place move. Can you see how ridiculous it would be for me to show up on a Sunday morning and be like, hey, everybody got my Bible, I'm ready to teach. And there's no chairs, and there's no speakers, and there's no band, and there's, no, and there's nothing going. There's no coffee. Bless God, y'all wouldn't get through the morning if there wasn't any coffee. What would happen? There's no kid. Have, have y'all ever sat in the service? There's only one service that we do per year where the kids are in service. Y'all know what service that is? We all know that because it's crazy that night. There's yelling and screaming and spit and throw up and poopy diapers. And it's a train wreck. And we love it for one day. <laughs> but those kids, man, that is the now. That is, that is the present and the future. I'm telling you what to teach kids. I'm telling you what to plant the little seed of faith and hope into the heart of a child and to teach them about Jesus so that it might spring forth into their future. There's nothing more powerful than that. And every week people are here moving. And if you're a volunteer here, can I just say thank you? We have incredible volunteers here. But here's, yeah, give my hand. And many of you that are sitting here right now, you're just not serving this week. You're, you're just off this week, but you're serving, but you're, you're here now. And I want to encourage you that, that if you can catch a glimpse that you are a part of something that's a really big deal, but it's a movement. And to be a part of a movement, you have to move. And so here's what I want us to do. And, and so, um, at the end of this service, we're going to have some, some, some T-shirts out there on the back. Those are just fun. Those are just free. Those are just us saying we love you and we bless you. But also, we have these volunteer cards. Delana, where are those volunteer cards at? I don't know what that means. You're just pointing. I, you clearly don't know how bad my eyesight is. I don't wear glasses. Okay, they're right there. So here's what I want you to do. On your way back there, grabbing that extra medium T-shirt to show off your guns. Or the really pretty seafoam green. If you're not a part of the movement, it's just time. I want you to move. And you say, well, I don't know what if I, have to, I totally believe. I don't care if you believe everything or not. Jesus, Jesus didn't have like a list of like, oh, you gotta, you gotta be this spiritual, and you gotta be this good, and this be knowledgeable, and have all these. No, 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 just, just come. That's the idea, just come. No, just start somewhere. Bless God, I, I mean, you don't have to be a theologian to, to, to greet people and to set up chairs. or to, You don't have to do it, but, but just be a part of the move. You gotta start to move somewhere, somehow. And if you're not moving, I wanna encourage you. Start, start today. Start now. Be a part of the Jesus movement. Because it's not about a building. It's not about a location. It's not about insiders. It was always about outsiders. Right? Be a part of that movement. Let's pray this morning. God, I pray that, God, we would not just go to church. God, we would be the church. That, God, we wouldn't go to a location, God, but we would become a part of a movement built around that one big idea that, Jesus, you are the hope of the world. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who died for our sins and rose again conquering death. God, I pray that we would be a part of that movement. God, that we wouldn't watch the parade go by, but we would jump in the parade. God, that we wouldn't spectate and watch the game, but God, we would get on the field and play the game. God, help us to become not just watchers, but God, movers. Father, help us to be your church in our neighborhood, in our, in our schools, on our job sites, we are the church. It has movement. Because Christ lives in me, wherever I go, the church is moving. 
And so I pray that you take it with you wherever you go. Father, help us to be your great gathering and movement, Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, give me a good gospel. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.